And so I have this sermon schedule with passages that I tend to preach, and I know what I'm preaching on for some time already. Now, interesting enough, I had planned on preaching uh, from my schedule this morning, and actually the passage was going to be from Hebrews 10.25. You can look that up at another time. And we're going to focus on the question, um, what is important right now? Council's gone, been going through that question, um, and we continue to go through that question. What is important right now? And, and Hebrews 10, verse 25, it talks about the importance of getting together and about connecting. Um, and actually, most of that sermon was prepared. And even the order of worship, as we have it this morning, was prepared for that passage. Um, but this week, we're not talking about Hebrews 10, verse 25. Maybe you'll hear that down the road at some point. I felt nudged by the Spirit to preach on 2 Corinthians 5, 16, verses 6, uh, verse 16 to chapter 6, verse 2. Now, so I, I felt nudged to do that, and then I looked it up to see, okay, have I preached this before? And then I had a hesitation because uh, I looked at this passage, and I preached it, this will be the third time in the last 13 months. So uh, for some of you, you may be hearing it a third time. Um, but not sure what God is trying to teach me and, and, and each of us as well. But in all of these three sermons, um, the focus was on God and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. So it's not the same message by any means. Because the first message, you can look back and go back to October 2019, it took the direction of talking about what it means for us to be new creations in Christ. The second sermon in February 2020, it took the direction of what it means for us to be people of reconciliation. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled himself to us, and we are called to respond. And so the third sermon today, again, it's going to take a different direction again. Spoiler alert. Um, God's grace is amazing. And uh, my friends, may you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that line actually comes from 2 Peter 3.18, but you'll see how it plays out in this message. Before we read from 2 Corinthians 5, uh, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, holy God, awesome God, God of grace and mercy and compassion, we thank you for this time and for the opportunity to read and hear from your word. May we be open to your Spirit's leading again this morning. Transform our minds and our hearts to what you are speaking to us and to what you are prompting us to live out. Bless the reading, the preaching, and the listening of your gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's only in his name we pray. Amen. So 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 16 and going to chapter 6, verse 2. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. October 2019. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. February 2020. And now we get November 2020. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. 
For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, in the day of salvation I helped you. And I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we are, November 2020. The world is in its 11th month of living with COVID-19. The term COVID-19 or coronavirus has been spoken and discussed probably more than anything else in 2020. And I'm sure we all can admit it's tiring. Some say that this virus might be seen as the biggest impact in all of history. Probably not. At the present, the virus doesn't have a cure. When there is no cure, there seems to be little, if any, hope. Without a cure, COVID-19 will continue to wreak havoc in our communities, in our nations, in the world. It will continue to dictate how we live. Without a cure, we will have to live with restrictions and losses in our lives. Having said that, scientists talk about something called herd immunity. My simple understanding of herd immunity is that either with a vaccination or with time, our immune system will be able to handle the virus. And you know, our bodies are kind of amazing that way, really. But even with herd immunity, the virus is still there. The threat is still real. We're just able to deal with it somewhat better. Now you may assume where I'm headed with this. Because scripture tells us of a tremendous historical impact, bigger than covid we're going to jump back for a moment to Genesis 3, 8-11. to And I read, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The fall into sin impacted this world beyond our understanding. The fall into sin not only brought about COVID-19, but the fall into sin brought about humanity's new normal, or abnormal, really. Sin is humanity, each of us being alienated from God. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Verse 8, that natural tendency was to hide from God, to run, to run away from God. Run away from anything that's good. Long before COVID-19, sin entered into this world. And this impacted the whole world. It impacted Adam, Eve, every single person that followed them. Sin impacted the whole creation. Not just one bit of creation, but the whole creation. Not one bit of creation is without the impact of sin. And we need a cure. Because without a cure, sin will result in death. Eternal death. Damnation. Now, we can be tricked into thinking that over time, our immune systems could learn to handle sin. We can think that we're not so bad. We go to church, we pray every so often, we, we, oh yeah, we pick up our Bibles from time to time, and we begin to think that our hearts and our minds might seem to be more and more immune to sin. 
And we begin to think that perhaps humanity may be even evolving into a better person. Herd immunity for sin. Not a thing. Sin remains prevalent in this world. Sin remains prevalent in our lives. One of Reformed Confessions states that our natural tendency actually is to hate God and to hate one another. Our natural tendency is to alienate ourselves from God as we read in Genesis 3 verse 8. Or as we read in the familiar passage of Romans 3.23, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Sorry folks, there's no immunity without a cure. Again, sin results in death. Sin results in punishment. When you do something wrong, you get punished. That's simple justice. So every sin needs to be punished. Now for those who do not have faith in Christ, for those who do not believe, punishment will be upon yourselves. If you don't believe, and you know darn well that you sin, Well, you're on your own. Humanity sinned, and humanity has to pay the price for human sins. And you know what? Our sins are so great that it is impossible for each of us to pay for our own sins. So punishment is clear. It's eternal damnation in hell. And there is only one human who can pay the price. And that human is God who came down to earth in the flesh. God's one and only Son, true God, true human, is the only one who can endure the sins of humanity. For those who have faith and believe in Jesus, punishment has been put upon Jesus. Jesus was killed for our sins. Our punishment was put on Him. And by His wounds we have been healed. Isaiah 53, verse 5. In fact, Isaiah 53, verse 6 states that we've all gone our own way. We've all gone astray. But Jesus has taken the blame. Follow Jesus and we don't even get punished for trying to hide, for straying from him. We said how COVID has impacted the world greatly. And then it was stated that sin was a greater impact than COVID. But then God sent his one and only son to save this world, not to condemn the world. He sent his son to cure it. John 3, 16 to 17. John 1, verse 14, we read that Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us. And then we hear the word, the truth of the gospel, as we read it this morning from 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. People, there has never been and never will be anything as great again until Christ returns. But then, what we said earlier, we might kind of say, wow, we're not that bad. You can believe in Jesus and and you're going to keep on sinning because sinning is kind of fun. And as long as we're not hurting too many people, you kind of like sin at times. Well, that's Satan putting thoughts like that in our minds. And the only cure for the sin virus is Jesus. 
Jesus has restored our alienated relationship with God. Our God is holy, and Jesus has made it such that we are God's holy people. We are the new creations. Again, October 2019, we've been reconciled through Christ's redeeming work on the cross. February 2020, when we have the tendency to run and hide from God, God will come after us because of what Jesus has done. He who has no sin has become sin for us. God is a God of relationship. God is a God who reaches out to his people. And right in the beginning of Scripture, when the sin virus hit all the world and all of creation, God put a cure in place. He put a cure in place so that he could again have a personal and loving relationship with humanity and we with him. Jesus bridged the gap. Here was God. Here was us. There was this major gap in the middle. And Jesus came on the cross. He died for our sins. He bridged that gap. God intentionally and deliberately took action to restore his relationship with us. Was God angry at us before reconciliation took place? Yeah, Paul's letter to the church of Ephesians. We read in chapter 2, verse 3, we were by nature objects of wrath. Yeah, sin makes God angry, and it needs to be punished. But let's read verse 21 again. He, God, made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This verse begins with he made. This verse refers to God made. God initiated the cure by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to reconcile our relationship between God and us. We have been reconciled. We're no longer objects of wrath, and we are righteous before God on account of God's amazing grace and his amazing act of reconciliation. And people, all this is from God. We didn't initiate this, because if we did... We'd still be running. We'd still be hiding. And we would be nowhere near a cure. But God did all this. He initiated this because of his love for us and his desire to restore things. And we look forward with hope and assurance to the restoration of all things when Christ comes again. You see, Jesus didn't go to the cross because some angry and religious men hated him and wanted to crucify him although all that was true, and that did happen. But Jesus went to the cross because this was God's plan from the start. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. You might be sitting there or listening online and thinking, well, that sounds a little silly, doesn't it? In fact, that's what Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Unless you have faith, the message of the cross seems really stupid. It sounds foolish that God loves a sinner. It sounds foolish that we don't have to earn salvation. It sounds foolish that God would send a perfect son to the cross to take upon him all our sins. Let it sound foolish. But it's the truth. So believe the truth of the gospel when it says that God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Humanity had to pay for their own human sins. 
In the Old Testament, the substitutes were animal sacrifices. But the animal sacrifices pointed to that ultimate sacrifice. It pointed to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. In the New Testament, God gave his one and only son to be the substitute for each of us. A sinful human could not pay for anybody's sins because their own sins were even too much to pay for. And yet justice dictates a human was needed to pay for the sins of humanity. And that human was Christ. The only human who could endure the wrath of God. A human that did not sin and cannot sin because he is God. Hebrews 4.15 states, We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Just as the first Adam and his sin made us sinful, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, made us clean. And you, if you accept the fact that it's unfair that Adam's sin made us sinful, and we are completely sinful, and that we are sinners, may you also accept the fact that Jesus made you clean. And that's completely unfair as well. But I don't know about you, but I'm going to accept that unfairness in life. God sent the second person of the Trinity to come down in human form to be sin for us. You see, our sin has been put onto Christ. All our sins have been put onto him. Jesus took all God's wrath. Jesus took all our punishment. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Again, if you ask me, Christianity is the most unfair religion of all, but you got to love it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pray harder. You don't have to pay more. No. But if you don't believe it, you're on your own. And that's not a good thing. People, God, believe in Jesus Christ. So just as our sins have been put onto Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus has been ascribed to us. It's been put on us. We have been given justification. Again, justice demands that somebody to pay for all the sins. Jesus paid. So justification is justified, never sinned, because he became sin for us. When you have faith in what God has done for you through Jesus, then God looks to you. Then God looks at you. He doesn't see your sins God sees Christ's righteousness upon you. So people of God, please understand what it meant for God to come down to this earth, then to walk to the cross and to die a sinner's death. All our sins have been put onto Jesus. Jesus has taken the wrath on him. On the cross, Jesus takes our sins. Because of the cross, we take on God's righteousness. That's where we become righteous. We become justified. We become new creations. We become sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father who become transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us. Paul states in Philippians 3.9 that we don't have a righteousness on our own, but a righteousness from God on the basis of faith. 
Friends, believe that Jesus has died for all your sins, past, present, future. And finally, in chapter 6, verse 1, as God's co-workers, we are co-workers. We're not just, doesn't mean that we're just passive Christians. We're co-workers. It says, so as God's co-workers, do not receive God's grace in vain. Do not receive God's grace in vain. My friends, may you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The virus called sin has been cured by Jesus. And how does that cure impact your thinking, your actions, your prayers, your love for God, your love for one another? How does that grace impact your sharing the gospel message with others? You don't have to work for salvation, but you do need to have faith. You do need to believe in Jesus. Turn your hearts and lives to Jesus. And when you do, works and love and the fruits of the Spirit will flow out from you as a response. I've heard it said a couple of times. I've said it myself too. It's been said by many that when COVID-19 is over and done with, there's going to be this big celebration. And can you imagine the worship service, right? When we can come back together, fill every pew, not every other pew, and, and not have to come with masks, not have to sing conversationally, no physical distancing. Wait for that service. It's coming. But people of God, think about sin. Now think about what has happened with our sins. Because that big celebration should be happening every Sunday, every day. Because it is every day that we are living with the impact of the cure from sin planned out by God through his son, Jesus Christ. And let's re- not receive God's grace in vain. Praise God. Confess the sins that we've committed. Know that these sins have been put on to Jesus. Reflect on the righteousness that he has put on to us. Have faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your one and only Savior. It's nothing that you've done. It's all that God has done through Jesus. So let's celebrate God's amazing grace. This passage is the heart of the gospel. The gospel doesn't call us to do something so that God may save us. The gospel declares to us that God has already done something. The gospel announces what God has done for us through Christ. What a message and ministry to be sent out into this world with. And what a message of grace that we cannot receive in vain. Jesus died for you and for me. Repent and believe and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do I hear an amen? Amen.